What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge, back on the pod. Match week six already, Chris. The season is quickly, quickly passing by. Yeah, it's flying by. We're, we're just getting into the Champions League as well, so there's a lot going on. We've played five matches. We're starting to figure out what the table's looking like and um, how things are shaking out. But uh, a lot to talk about over the weekend, some really exciting matches, some, uh, some slip-ups from some big clubs. Uh, obviously excited to be back and getting into it. Do you want to give a little rundown, or how how'd your week go? Anything notable? I mean, I'm just I just want to say that I'm excited to get you know be back and getting into it just because I'm excited, you know. And uh, I think if someone um, if someone listened to our pod uh, like the first ten to fifteen seconds of every episode, they would have no idea how to distinguish each episode from the other one. We say the exact no, same no thing. The first twenty thirty right. seconds rambling on. All right, so we're back. Fixtures were good. We're excited. Uh, games were good. We're excited. We we're prem. back. Right, yeah, like prem tattoos. Um, no, uh, uh, in reality, I did watch a lot of football this weekend. Um, I was a little bit dis- – I was extremely disappointed about the Palace result um, on Saturday. That, that one was tough to take and really showed a golfing class. And um, I watched uh, the Villa result uh, yesterday here on Monday. Um, and that was really difficult as well because I thought Villa should have won the game. So a bit of a frustrating weekend. I didn't really come out the, week- come out the weekend feeling elated about football. But I, I did take a lot, of, a lot of things away from a lot of the games that I watched. Um, really impressed with the Bournemouth win over Everton. Um, really impressed, obviously, with Ma- uh, Ma- uh, with Norwich's game against Manchester City. And I guess that's the biggest one we got to dive into, Chris, because like that one was blockbuster, right? Like the last time I've seen Manchester City lose like that was when they lost when I was at Man City at the Etihad. We talked about it in the pod last year, and they lost to Crystal Palace three two. And this didn't really feel like a fluke victory if you watch that game. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the uh, Palace and Villa results were disheartening for us because we liked those clubs. But the Norwich City result was kind of why we love football in a way. Like, you're, you're at Norwich, a newly promoted team, playing against a team last year that I've mentioned before was probably one of the top, I don't know, three Premier League teams of all time, if you look at the numbers, right? They were unbeatable. Um... They're coming into the, the week pretty healthy, uh, and no one really expected Norwich to come out and play the way they did, and they did deserve the win. And there's some videos going around on the internet um, of like their supporter section when they blew the final whistle. People were just going absolutely insane. You can see how much the win actually meant for the club, and the game was just electric. And they, you know, none of their goals were flukes. They were all well played. Um, you look at Timo Pukki, a couple of their performances were really, really impressive. But I don't know. I mean, it says some stuff about City, but overall it's more excitement for Norwich in my opinion. Yeah, I think – I don't know. We, we, we talked about what, what makes the Premier League so exciting this year, and I really, really do think that the capability and the earnest behavior from these bottom teams – is what makes the league really interesting this year. We have a such an aggressive management behavior behind the way teams want to play. You think about the game on Monday, it was Villa against West Ham, and Villa were constantly taking the ball to West Ham, and Villa won a man up. And even though it was a nil-nil draw, Villa, who was newly, newly promoted side, was always looking to leave the game with three points. Uh, Norwich enters every game trying to play out the back and not just concede and make a 4-4-2. And I think the days of 
playing extremely conservative football in the Premier League are are gone. Um, the, a lot of the managers who played that way are gone. Tony Pula, Sam Allardyce, a lot of them are gone. Um, and I think there's maybe a small cohort, Roy Hodgson being one of them, that that doesn't really particularly play an attacking brand, possession brand of football. Um, and I think this weekend was a good reminder of how good the season's going to be. Um, and Manchester City losing to Norwich, it was... I mean, it was shocking. I picked, I picked Man City to win 4-0 on the predictor app. Everyone was thinking, all right, Norwich, newly promoted side. They're not that good. Um, all, all their center backs are out injured. They have one healthy center back on the roster. This Todd Cantwell guy from Norwich looks immense. Yeah, he's from the um, academy. He right. scored a nice goal. It was set up really well by Pookie. But, I mean, he's just he's like a huge fan favorite for them, kind of an electric young player. So he's really fun yeah. to watch. And then Buenvidia, the the attacking uh, midfielder yeah. who led the league in assists last season, he's brilliant as well. Yeah, Emi Buendia. he's only twenty two as well. Yeah, like if you like if you, if you're a Norwich fan, like I mean, you've got to love ex- everything that's going on right now. Like it, it, this is a dream. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if they, they can. You know, I think that if they play like this, eventually their teams, the, you know, their head coach will get. Um, hired somewhere else and pay more money and that our players will eventually leave and I don't know that you can like consistently recreate that but I mean you've got to be living in dream world right now and, and that was a highlight result of the weekend which I felt like inversely well, I was wait, 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 um, right before we leave this, this subject I wanted to say one thing just to give credit to Norwich they're up to 13th in the table 6 points through their first 5 matches which is pretty good but they've already played Liverpool away Chelsea and City and they also played West Ham away. So to be able to get six points in the first five matches, considering they've conceded 12 goals as well, which is the most in the league, yeah. like, honestly, like, huge props to Daniel Fark and to, to Pookie, who was the player of the month in August. And, I mean, they're, like, they're just so fun to watch. And I think it's obviously a great time to be a fan of their club. They won the championship last year, and they are looking like a team that I, I would be shocked at this point if they go down just because they – I think they're going to just really take it to some of the bottom teams in the table with the way they play, so aggressively attacking. But I mean, we can we can move yeah. on. But I just I feel like we got to give them some props because it's been really really fun to watch them every one of these games. I think the funny reminder for me is like I kind of go through ebbs and flows in football, where um, especially as a, a supporter of a team, a few teams that aren't very good, <laughs> um, I tend to go through ebbs and flows where I think you know what. These teams are more talented than us. The players are better. They can do things that the players that I follow and want to win can't do. You know, like what, like for example, when I was watching that Spurs Palace game this weekend, uh, I was watching it happen. And I was, I thought, you know what? Um, Toby Alderweireld sprays out this wide diagonal ball, and I was like, you know what? Um, Mamadou Sacco can't do that. You know, and, and and so I go through these these ebbs and flows where I kind of rationalize my, my my team and my players based on the talent level, but then I'm, the flow of that um, is when I watch teams like Norwich with academy graduates who are 19, 20 years old, with you know newly signed journeyman strikers who never really had a home throughout Europe. Um, for 10 years, like Timu Puki, um, and you know Buenvidia. Like I, I look at some of these players and I think. I mean, like, these guys aren't superstars. They're in a system that allows them and they're taught and coached to be spacing-wise and in position that, that allows them to be su- more successful than they ordinarily would be. And so, I, I don't know, like, I go through really big ebbs and flows where I wonder, is it is it the manager, is it the style, is it the player, is it the individual? And Well, I was going to say 
that what you just described with Norwich, that's like the epitome of being a Burnley supporter over the past few years, I would think. Yeah, they got, yeah. They've no, got like really, no talent, really but is. they got a great manager. They're organized, and they somehow just managed to compete with all these teams. And, and I think it's a good reminder, like you know, all these players, you know, te- people look at teams, and and I don't know. I, I guess I don't want to be the first person to to point at managers and think, hey, get more out of your players, do more, jump higher, do better, but. I really do think that this season so far has been an immense reminder to me that the, the way managers coach their team in practice and the way they coach them to play the ball quickly and the way they demand their players to play the football um, has a, such an immense impact on the success of the team. And I, I think make no mistake, mistake about it, it's, it, there isn't that much of a variance in skill level. I think, yes, there's a variance in skill level between, you know, Wilfred Zaha and I don't know uh, Trezeguet at Villa, but sure, there's a skill level difference. But I don't. Th- I think those those separate games. But I think games are outright won and controlled and lost and and, and non controlled by management philosophy. And I think I've been really impressed by some of the, the managers who've been promoted this season. Well, uh, and Rant. Well, good segue. Speaking of management philosophy, that. I have seen things like been a little bit lacking here, especially in game over the past few weeks and maybe now uh, over a season. Arsenal against Watford on Sunday. Uh, Arsenal go up two 0 in the first half. Aubameyang lighten it up, and they concede mm-hmm. two just terrible goals in the second half to Watford, who are playing their first game on or first game under Sanchez Flores in 2019 at least, right? Um, and they blow a 2-0 lead with a huge mistake from Socrates giving away a pass where they're trying to play it out of the back and makes a stupid pass. Uh, they give up a goal there, and then David Luiz, just a terrible penalty giveaway, uh, and they blow a 2-0 lead to the team in the bottom of the table, and it's 2-2. And honestly, I mean, Unai Emery, you go up 2-0 at half, you, you have to win that. You're Arsenal. You're playing against a team that's bottom of the table, has gotten one point through four matches and you give up two bad defensive mistakes and it's just typical Arsenal over the past year that they've had Emery in charge they just are always shaky defensively and they don't really see out wins I, I don't know I mean that's just that's one where the talent is clearly on their side and there's something wrong there yeah, I, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that it's, it's tough last, last season I actually endorsed Emery quite highly because I, I, I do think that tactically in the modern day football era he sets up the right way I think there's a couple things that are an issue at Arsenal right now I think one that I'm seeing off the bat I mean I, I listen to Emery in press conferences and I don't even know what the fuck he's saying and I, I you know it's it's your second season, second season in England I don't think you need to have perfect English but he has such like an aggressive, high pitched tone <laughs> with his speech that like almost like turn it almost like turns you off as a listener. Like if I was playing for Emery, I'd be like, all right, man, you don't even know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it doesn't sound good, doesn't sound instructional. And then I know that he's very um, demanding from an energy level um, and play out the back. Um, like that 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 is how we're gonna play football at Arsenal Football Club, which is fine, but. They were incredibly low energy on on, on Sunday, and it and it was really really hard to watch. Um, and I, I you know I was watching that game and I was like, where is Emery on the sidelines? Where's where's the tactical substitution? He brought in Joe Willock and Reese Nelson, um, two academy graduates who 
absolutely did nothing with the game. They they wastefully threw away possession. Um, they look like they shouldn't have been out there. Uh, and and I, I think our, I think Emery is is going to be on the hot seat um, in January um, unless he turns some things around and they get some kind of you know hopeful results out. Um, and and I think he could be one of the next. He's on my next short list of three managers to be sacked this season. To be honest. I, mean, I think he's the most likely out of the what we think of the top six clubs to be sacked. And the thing with him is, if you think about the, the top six managers right now, right, uh, between Klopp, Guardiola, Pochettino, Solchar, Lampard, and Emery, who's the last one that you would want to play for as a player, do you think? I mean, just I'd play terms, for Klopp. Well, I play for, in terms of like just like a play player's for, coach and, and someone that you can kind of get behind and, and feel motivated if by. I'm ranking, if I'm ranking that, I, I, I would play for Guardiola ahead of anyone else. No-brainer. Um, then probably Guard, uh, then probably um, Pochettino or Klopp as number two. Um, and then, I, I mean, then you're in like the, the old legends phase with like Solskjaer and Lampard and Emery. I don't think Emery is that far behind those two. But what he lacks is a club clout. And he doesn't have that history with the club, well, so like also, he doesn't have to right. But I'm also just thinking about in the sense of like you're a young player, someone that you like a 19 year old player. Yeah, I feel you. Like he just he doesn't seem like a, a much of a player's manager, like where guys can just rally behind him, be excited to play. Because he can it, 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 It's because you know, like not only that, but then if you don't have that, and you got to think, all right, well then the team's got to be extremely disciplined and well coached. I don't see that either, so I, I don't really know. I, I just, he just seems like he's lacking something for me. And with the expectations you have at Arsenal, he's just not going to last when they're they're doing this kind of shit. And they weren't great last year, and I don't see an improvement this year. I mean, they're going to keep scoring goals. Like, they've scored two – I think they're, they've scored uh, eight goals I mean, in five Obama matches. Yang, and they got Aubameyang, and they should be feel really fortunate about having Aubameyang. Right. Well, I mean, they even have Lacazette, who doesn't really seem to do much for them. you got all these issues with Mesut Ozil, which I don't know what the hell is going on with him this season, if he's going to play, if he's going to play any role in their season. It, it's just weird. Arsenal just seem like a weird club right now where I don't know what's going on, and I'd be really confused if I was a supporter of them. I'd feel a little bit lost. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, agreed. I think the uh, I think the obvious situation that they're in is that they're trying to reinvest for the long term because I feel I feel like they uh, they're they're trying to come up with a. It's the reason why they didn't spend eighty five million on Wilfred Zaha. They didn't qualify for the Champions League. They don't have the cash flow. Um, they've been heavily reliant on commercial income over the past five to ten seasons because they've always been one of the top teams in England, and now all of a sudden that's gone. And, and infrastructurally, I feel like they're they're structured around expecting commercial and Champions League income they don't have that this season so I think financially they're coming up short and then you see that in the lack of buying intent they're then playing Reese Nelson and Joe Willock who were absolutely fucking miserable and the other the other problem with that is when you're playing guys like Reese Nelson Joe Willock Ainsley Nathan Miles playing a lot of these young players that you're bringing up through your academy I love seeing that but those players aren't producing like the academy players that are being brought up from Chelsea or from Manchester United, like the, the right. Mason Mounts, the Tammy Abrahams, the Marcus Rashfords. Like those guys are, are going off for these clubs, and no right, one I from mean, Arsenal stepping up in that regard. The, the narrative is also very different, right? Like if you're like look at both those two teams they have a, a former club legend to motivate those academy players, and Unai Emery is obviously not a, a former Arsenal club legend, but. I mean, you look over at at Chelsea. If you're Mason Mount, if you're uh, Reese James, if you're Tammy Abraham, and you're sitting next to Frank Lampard, the former 
captain of Champions League and Premier League winning side Chelsea over and over and over again. Like they they were dominant in the Prem. And like how are you not going to listen to that guy? Right. Well, you that's kind of I mean? my point too. Um, you know? hundred percent. I'm reinforcing that one million percent. I, I like. I think that those teams are set up for a little bit more of a sustainable growth period. And I think Arsenal need to, um, you know, Arsenal needs to come to terms with the fact that Wenger made them better, a lot better than what they were, and they're they're going to regress. They're going to continue to regress for for the foreseeable future until they reinvest more wisely and those academy players start to actually prove themselves. Yeah. Well, two clubs that did have good performances over the weekend, but actually slipped up today. Uh, Chelsea had a great performance away against Wolves, won 5-2. They went up 4-0, actually. Tammy Abraham, who I just mentioned, had a hat trick. He's got seven goals in his last three league appearances, which he was taking some heat in the beginning of the season. Um, He's been unbelievable. I mean, like, all three of his goals uh, against Wolves on Saturday were very impressive as well. Uh, Wolves got kind of two garbage goals towards the end of the match. And then... Liverpool won 3-1 against Newcastle. Uh, Roberto Firmino got subbed on for Divac Origi, who got injured. He had two spectacular assists, two goals from Sadio Mane, one goal from Salah. Liverpool are way up in the table now. But now both those clubs today uh, slipped up in the Champions League. Chelsea lost to Valencia 1-0, Liverpool, Liverpool to Napoli 2-0. I want to touch on the Chelsea match against Valencia. Two, ba- two major things happened here. Uh, the first one, Mason Mount, I think it was in the, the ninth minute of the match, got absolutely stomped, like, and a terrible tackle from uh, Coughlin, who used to be in the Prem and is now playing for Valencia. He went off, so we'll see. It looked like he might have busted up his ankle a little bit. That'd be a huge blow for them. And then Ross Barkley, who got subbed on in, like, the 80th minute, uh, missed a penalty at the end of the match that looked like there was Jorginho who wanted to take it, William who wanted to take it, Tammy wanted to take it, Ross Barkley says no, 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 takes it and skies it over the net. Uh, I guess first thoughts on Chelsea, whether it's over the weekend or today in their match. I think, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think when when I see Ross Barkley trying to, to take the penalty today, I... I, I, I sense that's him trying to prove himself, right? Like, I think that's him. He, there's a bunch of young players who are coming up from the academy. He feels like, oh, i got to prove myself amongst these guys and, like, show that I can I can play. I don't really know if he's that good of a player. Um, so I feel like he might be cast out at Chelsea for the next few years. Uh, I think that if you're Chelsea... Um, who who you know who cares about a good running running Europe? You really don't. Uh, the really the only the only advantage of the Champions League uh, this season is to kind of get get your younger guys run out, get some of the younger players some experience in the Champions League, get get to say that you played in the Champions League. But again, like you are sole, you're not going to win the, the Champions League, right? So that's not how you're going you're to qualify for next season. Your sole focus is driving cohesion, driving squad cohesion, driving squad togetherness for the Premier League. And if I'm Frank Lampard, I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm disappointed because I don't like to lose games. I'm definitely not bringing Ross Barkley saying, hey, man, why would you take that penalty? You know, I'm like, hey, I respect the confidence. Get him next time. Um, and I think he's trying to continue to relay all this positive energy towards the league. Um, and then w- with the Liverpool result, obviously Liverpool, um, you know, Liverpool losing to Napoli is interesting because Liverpool are already have a five-point lead in the Premier League and look like, probably the best team in Europe and Napoli of course jump up and, and beat them 2-0 it just goes to show you know like 
just goes to show. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're not sharp, if you you know if you're not treating it like a game that you must win, like uh, someone will come up and beat you. And and the Champions League is similar to the Premier League in that regard, where if you're not in your top game, someone will jump up and beat you and put put a couple goals past you, and then you know before you know it, you're you're in trouble and you're not feeling good about your result. Yeah, if you're looking at the future of the Champions League uh, hopes here, Chelsea might be in a little bit of trouble. Their group, they got Ajax, Valencia, and Lille. Uh, Liverpool should be fine. They got Napoli, uh, Red Bull, Leipzig, and uh, Ganks. So, like overall, they'll probably be okay. But I th- or Red Bull, Salzburg, excuse me. Um, yeah. So Timo, Timo, Timo Werner side, Villa beat him, beat him in preseason. Yeah. So I mean, I think that uh, either way, they're going to be fine. But um, it's not great to see it. Now, the interesting thing is they will be playing each other uh, coming up here over the weekend, right? So. They play right. on Sunday at 11.30, Chelsea at home. So that might be a chance for Chelsea to kind of say, like, all right, we're, we're starting to figure it out here, see if they can put a little bit of a, a dent in Liverpool's lead there because you know, they're coming off a couple of good performances. But Liverpool, they're five points up on City and they're seven points up on everyone else through five matches. If, if they keep up their form, they're going to put a pretty big gap between them and everyone else where it's going to be really tough to make any ground on them. Um, so it'll be interesting, but anything else um, on Liverpool at this point? I mean, do you think that there's anyone uh, that can challenge them? I don't know. I like. I came into the season and I said City will win the title, and unlike you last season, who pivoted halfway through the season and said, "Oh, you know, I think Liverpool." I flip flopped a little will, bit. Snip, snap, snip, snap. Yeah, you know? right. Um, yeah, I'm not going to snip, snap, snip, snap. I'm going to stay by City because I think Pep Guardiola is a brilliant manager. I think he'll figure it yeah. out. But I, I, I do think that there needs to be like I think the way Liverpool play and the cohesive cohesiveness of the team and the talent in that team. Um, they're going to need some injuries. Like, there's going to need to be something that kind of implodes internally to, like, really set them back. Like, you look at City. City have the injury to Laporte, now Stones. Yeah, Stones is out five weeks. Um, Laporte's out till I think, uh, January. So that's a huge Mend- problem. Mendy's been out for a while. Um, and and, and I, I think, like, that's something that's going to hinder Manchester City. And I think that, you know, there needs to be something that happens at Liverpool in order to kind of set them back and, you know, over the course of the season, that that shit usually usually happens. So, um, you know, we'll see if it does. But uh, right now, you, if you're a Liverpool fan, you gotta be, feel pretty good. You're five points clear, and like it, last season, you would have been killing for a five point lead. You know, and it's already happening this season. So, um, Liverpool are definitely looking like the favorites. And if you're a Liverpool fan, feel good about it. But it's a long year. Um, hold tight. Don't celebrate yet. But have some quiet, kind of subtle confidence. Just don't tell people about it yet. Yeah, so one thing we wanted to get into really quick before trivia, you had kind of mentioned that you had heard uh, some rumors about Declan Rice and his value at this point. Um, There's been a lot of talk about some players that, you know, could be the next, like, Harry Maguire, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, these Premier League players that are on some of the, the lower teams in the table that could be big buys in January over next summer. So we wanted to go over like a couple of players we think might be the top valued players right now outside of the, outside of the top six. What were uh, your like one or two guys that you were wanting to mention? Yeah, so Declan Rice is definitely one of them. Uh, to Chris's point, Declan Rice, I I think if you're if you're Arsenal, if you're 
Manchester City. Well, Manchester City have Rodri, so they just signed Rodri, and so I don't think they. I think Rodri is a like for like replacement for Declan Rice. Um, so I don't think Manchester City are interested in, in, in Declan Rice anymore. If you're Manchester United, who's playing Scott McTominay or uh, Matic, if you're Spurs, who kind of has a couple floating players in that holding midfield role, Sissoko goes there sometimes, and Dombele goes there sometimes. Um, I think really any top six side would love Declan Rice in their team, uh, and I think that Man City would as well. Um, I think most most likely buyers are probably United. Um, I could or see him even. Like, I could see him putting in at or Chelsea. Even, or even Chelsea or Liverpool as well, because uh, I know Fabinho is a good player, but uh, Declan Rice is a different type of player. And the cool thing, uh, the, the the good thing about Declan Rice, and the reason why his value, uh, I think, is so high, about like 80, 90 million pounds, is because he's very young. Uh, I think he's 20, 21, or 21, maybe 22 Let years old. Um, yeah, fact check that. Um, he's got England caps, um, English nationality, so he uh, the put the teams in the Premier League have to service and play a certain amount of English play or have registered on their roster a certain amount of English players um, or academy players. So he he checks those boxes, right? Um, so that that inflates his value a little bit as well. He's very young, plays a very pivotal position for his team right now, uh, and it's only going to get better. Um, he can shoot from distance, tackle from distance. He's kind of a Ultimate two two way midfield player. I think he's really really highly valued, um, and so yeah, I put him at like probably the top valued outside the top six right now. He's twenty. He turns twenty one in January. Jesus, like that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's such an enforcer. He's all over the pitch. He's like never someone that you are watching West Ham play, and you're like, hmm, where's Declan Rice today? Like he's always making an impact. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The one guy that I was going to say, and I know you had, I think you had one more person you wanted to mention. Um, I always think that generally someone who's going to like more of an attacking mindset player is going to be a little bit higher valued. Uh, the guy that I think could probably get sold in the next summer and go for like an astronomical fee is James Madison. He's 22, so he's also really young. He got bought by Leicester for I think like 28, 29 million from Norwich uh, in 2018. He is like he's a fantastic player, and he can play all across that like attacking midfield role. I think he's most natural in the center, but if you needed to push him out a little bit wider, you could. He is a very creative player, a great passer. He's been known to score goals, and I also think that one thing he has going for him is playing for Leicester. Leicester are going to end up being a top eight club this year, I think, at the very least. Probably, I could I could see them being even higher than that, maybe being in the top six this season. And I think he's probably their most influential player that they have. Um, wow. I, I've been a huge fan of him for the past year and a half plus. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I could see him easily going for $60, $70 million next summer. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a aggressive take. I, I think he's a really, really skilled player, um, and he's getting better. He, he, he can shoot from distance. He can pass from distance. I think one thing that he needs to improve on is his, like, Final third clinical decision making. Um, when you watch a player like I don't know, like a Luka Modric or an Isco, or there isn't he has the flair. I think James Madison has a flair, but sometimes I I feel like he needs to, like he always has the most chances created, right? Like that's a huge stat that he leads in the Premier League every week, but. I almost think, like, with the chances created, like, why are there not as many goals there? 
you know. And I, I always, I, I always think that when I watch him play, I always think, oh, like you need to be one second more patient or have a little bit higher quality ball across there. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm looking well, for him this season. If he can up his assists and, and, and goal totals, I'll be, I'll, I'll concede. I, I agree with that, but I, I think of him a lot in the same way I think of Jack Grealish. Um, like similar roles, and I, I actually think that Grealish has some of the same problems. Uh, if you watch them play on Monday, he's always on the ball. He makes great runs. He's got excellent vision, and sometimes he's just kind of lacking that final pass. He he might be a little bit early on it. He might overhit it, that type of thing. Um, but they both mm-hmm. have endless potential, and part of the reason why I'm mentioning him, part of the reason why I brought up Grealish, part of the reason why you brought up Declan Rice is because these are all English players too, and we just know that those guys are going to command a little bit of a higher transfer fee when it comes to the Premier League and um, those top six clubs are going to be buying a player. Right. I think I think the other person I, w- I was actually going to say would be Tyrone Mings. Um, Tyrone Mings, very young central defender, um, and, and is going to be extremely, extremely strong ball-playing central defender. So he's very good, good on the ball with his feet, can dribble. He's a ton of pace. So I'm chased down Sebastian Haller uh, on, on Monday. Um, and... He, pa- he passes the ball really well. Um, so he passes the ball really well, great pace, good in the air. Like He checks every single box, great athlete, and he's English. Um, I think he's going to be England center, center back for a while to come. He kind of reminds me of, like a, I don't know, uh, Rio Ferdinand. He, I, I think Michael Keane went for like $35 million a few years ago. I think I think Tyrone Mings will go for a lot I think, more than that. I actually think Keane might have more than that. But, well, the, the thing with Mings is he's a little bit older. But a couple of things with Villa right now. They've only given up six goals so far this season in five matches, which for a newly promoted team, very impressive. And they've also kept uh, clean sheets, uh, two clean sheets, which I think is tied for the most in the priority this season. It no is, one else it is. Yeah, more it than is. that. And Mings is like, he's coached by John Terry. He looks like just that, like if you watch him play, he's always pointing out to where guys need to be. Yelling out like sometimes too much. If you watch the match on Monday with Anwar El Ghazi, they got into it. But he's directing players where to be. He's mm-hmm. winning every ball in the air. I think he has the most um, like clearances in the Premier League. The mm-hmm. most like aerial uh, duels won in the Premier League out of all defenders so far this season. So it's getting a lot of action. He's been extremely good. Just got called up. Didn't get a chance to play for England over the break. But um, I like that pick as well. Yeah, and I think obviously the honorable mention is Wilfred Zaha as well. But Wilf said slow start to the season, and uh, you know his value is starting to dip a little bit. It's going to be interesting to what happens in January with him because if he, you know, if he doesn't pick up his form and he kind of look looks sluggish, I don't, I don't, I think he might deter some buyers in January. Um, so anyway, I, we we got we got Wilf, we got Mings, um, we have James Madison, and then. Um, who did I say originally? Declan Rice. Declan Rice, of course. Um, so uh, some English players there, as well as uh, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Wilfred Zaha, um, and I think I'm about to get teed up for trivia. You right? are, yeah. So I've got something for you. So I, I mentioned you uh, before we started, but uh, I took a little road trip to Ann Arbor a couple weeks ago with Andrew Lockman and Brady Kreitz, who both listen to the Predictor app, do Fantasy Premier League with us. And we were doing some trivia along the way in the car, and Brady was coming up with most of us, so shout out to him. But um, I had a couple of ideas based off of that to give you, so maybe I'll use this uh, or something similar the next time too because we had a few different things we did. Um, I'm going to give you one where – I know we've done a couple of these recently where you kind of have like a few strikes. 
you know, rather than just uh, a certain amount of time. Yeah. And what I want you to do is try to get this in order as best as possible. I think that would make it for the best uh, way to go. But there's going to be ten teams here. And I'm going to give you three overall strikes. I think there's a, a good chance you could get all ten uh, with three strikes. Uh, I'm going to challenge you to do it. Um, but it's an all-time statistic for the Premier League. And it's going to be the most points all-time won in the Premier League for each team, the top ten teams. I would like you to try to get them in order, if possible. Um, but, you know, I'm going to give you three strikes. So start from the top, and let's see what you can do. Um, Manchester United. Yep, number one. Uh, Liverpool. Number four. Wow. But they're on the list. Um, and is, is this modern day Premier League? So 1992 on, yeah. All time Premier League. Okay. Table. Uh, Arsenal. Yeah, they're number two. So let's try to get number um, three. Um,. Chelsea. Correct. So you got the top four. That's good. One out of order. Now, it's going to get a little bit trickier from here on out, but it's still definitely doable. Okay. Then we're... we're uh, so number five. Is it top t- top ten? Yep. Is I want to get the top ten. Yep. So let's, let's pick it up a little bit. Number five. What do you think? Uh, Man City. No, they're number seven. So I'm not going to kind of strike against you here, but... Okay. There. Um... Newcastle. Newcastle on number eight. So there's there's two other clubs that you haven't gotten that are five and six, and they both have never been relegated from the Premier League. West Ham. They're number ten. We've uh, seen them play in the championship together. In the championship? Yeah. We, we well, you said they never. You said you said they never relegated. They have. They have been relegated. So the number five and number six team in this spot have never been relegated. That, that was my clue to try to get uh, this in order for you. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Everton. Yeah, they're number six. And Spurs. They're number five. There's one other club, number nine, that you haven't gotten. No strikes. So this is pretty good. Um, Villa. Yep, you got it. Let's Not go. Not the most typical dude, trivia, but I, I, I did want to challenge you to get all of them on first cast. So that was really impressive. So it's United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Everton, City, Newcastle, Villa, West Ham. Um, now that those top five or six clubs have never been relegated, everyone else has spent some time in lower divisions. Um, who do you think the next highest team is that's currently in the Premier League? That's currently in the Premier League? Yeah. Jesus. Because now, um, now we get to a lot of teams that are not in the Premier League. Yeah, that's hard. Um, Take a wild guess. Maybe uh, Southampton. Yeah, they're 12. Nice. And then after that, so 11 is Blackburn. Yeah, and then maybe like a Portsmouth or something. Uh, 13 is Leeds, 14 Middlesbrough. Portsmouth are a little bit lower. 
It's been a while. They're right. 31. They've only actually had seven seasons in the Premier League. Clowns. Yeah. Um, the next highest Premier League teams, Leicester, 17, Palace, 21, Norwich, 26. Uh, the lowest... A lot of those, like, yo-yo teams. Yeah, the lowest Premier League team is Brighton. The lowest current Premier League team is Brighton. Um, and then the lowest, lowest points total ever in the Premier League out of any team that's been in there is Swindon Town. With 30. Really? They only had one season. So there's been 49 teams in the Premier League uh, since 1992. Wow, poor Swindon. Yeah, Swindon, you know, only 30 points, rough season. And then Barnsley and Blackpool, the other two clubs that only put, spent one season in the Prem. So yeah, I remember that Blackpool season. That was a nightmare. Yeah, so I figured that'd be kind of interesting um, to go through historically. And so we we were doing some things like this. We were talking about like we were doing this thing where Brady was giving like Lockman and I um, like back and forth. We had to name the top twenty like all time appearance leaders in the Premier League, and then we would go one by one until one of us got one wrong. Um, so we were doing some some of that kind of stuff. But that was impressive that you got all of them. I would have thought that maybe you would have went for like a Blackburn or Leeds or Southampton, one of those types of teams. But um, right. yeah, well done. I mean, it shows what happens when you're doing trivia with Brady and Lockman. No offense, but you know, you obviously come back to me, and I, I kind of know what's well, going on. Well, I mean, on, this so. is what we exactly what we did here. One of the ones we did was uh, like, what are the clubs to never be relegated from the Premier League? Or uh, what was that? It wasn't quite that. I don't remember. I mean, those front, it, those front, those front six are all teams that didn't get right. Relegated, it was like something different. I don't know. Anyway, that was fun. But um, you all right, let's hit, let's hit the predictor app on trivia. Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, with predictor, so Chris and I actually we got in a little beef this week because our predictor scores are pretty similar. Well, actually, before um, we get so, into that, and that's not really a beef, but we'll talk about that in a second. I wanted to give shout-outs beforehand. So we do have the actual season-long leading, uh, season-long standings leaderboard. Excuse me, that's working. But just a quick shout out for match week five. Uh, it was a terrible week across the group. Our worst week by far. Brady, Kreitz, and Kennan, Samarjic uh, tied for first with 14 points. So that means they got one match exactly correct in the score, and then one of the results right. So that's really really bad. Um, Season-long leaderboard, though. First place, Jacob Seidel, uh, 54 points. Second place... Well done, Jacob. Yeah, well done, Jacob. Very impressive. Uh, second place is a tie. Colin Wolf, who has been uh, the leader twice, uh, two of the four weeks we've done this. So shout-out Seawolf. And then my father, Jim Saber, tied for second as well. So I am your father. Just goes to show. Uh, Jim pulling through. He actually... He listened to our pod last week when we were talking about, uh, you know, the family rivalry here between us, and he mentioned that he needed to get after you on Twitter a little bit more than he has to kind of, like, back me up uh, against your family. Yeah, I think he wants to get on the pod, too. Yeah, he, he mentioned that him and Andy should come on, and maybe they can mix it up a little bit on here, too. It reminded me, I don't know if you ever listened to Bill Simmons' podcast, but he does this thing called Parent Corner, where, like, him and this other dude talk about like different things going on with their kids and it's actually pretty boring it's not a very fun segment i normally skip it <laughs> but this would be like a much better version of parent corner and it made me think of like oh wow parents are each like in a corner of a boxing ring and then kind of go at it jim versus andy so we can just like well, one up uh, bill simmons who's got like the most popular podcast in the world so anyway that. let's get to um, our picks but yeah you were saying that yeah. we have a beef because we have like all the same results i don't know if it's a beef well, i think i had mine not, not- first so 
Okay, not really a beef, but like I just made the picks on on the app based on like how I'm feeling about certain teams, and it, it was kind of embarrassing because it, it, it just goes to show how in tune Chris and I are with our picks. As a reminder, uh, to get in the league, go to download the MPC Predictor app. We're keeping the season long standings. This is actually like pretty dope because we can see how you're doing all, all year long. Yeah, you so can know if that you, Will Russell's so, in you, last place in our entire league. Right, yeah. Will, what are you doing? I love you, dude, but like get up there. Um, and so just download the Predictor app and put in the code for the league. It's MD. D-E-Q-L-8. That's M-D-E-Q-L-8. One little thing, too, if um, you do uh, download it and get in there, try to make your username something that we would know what it is. So that way we can shout people right. out. Because some people have yeah. weird, random usernames, and we're just like not really sure who they are. Right. Um, like, Don't be like Michigan, Michigan grad 6969, because like, there's like 40 of you guys. Try to so include might, some variation of your name so we can give you a shout-out, because it's better than just like the username shout-outs. But... Um, yeah, join sure. the league, and then so for this week, Jack and I are going to give off our picks here. Uh, first match, Burnley at home against Norwich. Go, you can go first. Yeah, I went 2-1 Norwich. I think Burnley are a good defensive team. I think they'll defend well, but I also think I, I'm so confident it's Norwich side right now. I think Cantwell will have an assist or two to probably Pookie. Um, and I think Burnley will nick uh, like a set-piece goal, from, whether it be from Ashley Barnes or Chris Wood or whatever. Um, and it'll be a scrappy win, but Norwich will pull it out 2-1 on the road. Yeah, I got the same result here, 2-1. Uh, Norwich are still a little bit shaky defensively, so I don't think they're going to keep a clean sheet, but... I do feel like they're going to ride that momentum from the city result and, and get a away win here. So 2-1 there. Um, next match is Newcastle in 18th at home against Brighton in 16th. A little bit of relegation scrap. We got the same one here as well, but you can go first. Yeah, this has got Steve Bruce tattooed all over it, right? This is a Steve Bruce. This is exactly what I was thinking. Bounce. This is so annoying. <laughs> like bat down the hatchet, bat down the hatches. Joelinton set piece goal or uh, Jamal Lascelles will score uh, one nil Newcastle. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, these are the matches that Steve Bruce is going to win to make sure that Newcastle stay up. It's a home match against a, a bad team. Um, I I don't know. It, it just seems like it's set up for Newcastle to win this one ugly. So I'm going one nil as well. Uh, then we go to Manchester. Uh, we go to Manchester United against West Ham. Um, Chris, who you got? West Ham at home. Uh, I just watched them play ninety minutes against Villa and not score. I, I do like their squad. Uh, I like their attacking players. I think Sebastian Haller is pretty good. Um, Lanzini being healthy is big for them. I like Felipe Anderson. L- Yarlamenko looks a little bit rough, but I like him too. Uh, I was going to mention Pablo Fernals. He came on. He looked like shit. He was terrible. He like he, was he so like made bad. a couple of terrible touches. He should have scored in an injury time. To be yeah, honest, yeah, he was really bad. They spent a lot of money on him. Um, Masuaku is going to be suspended because he got a red card. So they're going to have Zabaleta starting probably in their back four. Uh, United. I'm going to go two nil just because I don't think West Ham are going to have much firepower at home. And I, I always like bet on United to score with, with the, the squad they have. Dan James has been playing well. Rashford just scored a penalty last week. He's got that. They have the penalty situation figured out. So I'm going to go 2 0. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, 2 1 Manchester United over West Ham. I think West Ham will an e- equal goal, especially after last week not scoring. Uh, they'll talk about how to attack better. Um, and I think that front, that front four of. Lanzini, Yarmolenko, Anderson, and Haller. It's difficult to keep them without goals for week over week over week. Um, so then they'll get. I think they'll get one. But also, I think Manchester United will win this game. I, for some reason, I have some 
weird confidence in, in, in Manchester United after holding Leicester to a clean sheet and be, being a good side. So Yeah. Um, Chelsea at home to Liverpool, one of the marquee matchups, or I guess the marquee matchup of the week, I would say. Uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool 2-1 away. I, I'm starting to like Chelsea again. I know you gave me a lot of shit last year because you said I was a Chelsea homer. But I like Tammy a lot, and they're starting to score in buckets. I do think that Liverpool are going to be a little bit too much for them. Um, but Liverpool have shown some vulnerability defensively, like we talked about, and they just give up two goals here uh, to Napoli as well today. So I think Chelsea will score, but I, I reckon Liverpool will get the result 2-1. Yeah, I think uh, Liverpool are actually going to take this one to Chelsea. I think they'll go up 3-0 and then maybe concede one late. It'll be 3-1, uh, maybe a Tammy late goal or a Mason Mount late goal. Uh, Liverpool, this is going to be a difference in class. This is where you're really going to see Chelsea come up against it. Uh, I think the way they, they play, it's very ambitious um, and very, very skill-based uh, based on in, in, individual players. I think you're going to see Liverpool's total attacking system and press really put Chelsea in some trouble. Um, so I think Liverpool will win this one I, I got 3-1 on the win um and Liverpool will keep rolling to be honest not even concerned yeah I mean they're they're in a good spot right now all right last match uh it's another Sunday match I think it's 11 30 uh as Chelsea and Liverpool 11 30 so are Arsenal and Villa Arsenal coming off that uh collapse against Watford Villa the nil-nil draw against West Ham how do you see this one going yeah, I think Arsenal will probably come out deflated again, um, and I think Villa will take advantage early and go up 1-0, and I think Arsenal will kind of fight back in the second half and kind of prove that they have something to go for this season, and it'll end up being 1-1. Yeah, I've got 1-1-2. This would be, if, if Arsenal don't get a win here, it be their fourth straight match without a win, uh, but I don't see it happening. I, um, I think Villa have been very, very impressive defensively over the past few weeks. They're due for a goal. They really should have scored at least one or two against West Ham. And I, uh, I think Arsenal are just a team that are going to slip up defensively. So I'm going to go one-one, give Arsenal the advantage at home. But uh, I think that'll come out as a draw, and I expect Villa to come away with at least a point, is what I'll say. There you go. Um, so as a reminder, join the Predictor App League. It's M D E Q L eight. Like get in the league, do it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It takes five minutes, not even. It takes like two minutes to do each week, um, but. If you don't join soon, you're going to be a little bit behind the leaderboard here. And you won't have a chance to win 50K, which I'm definitely going to do this week with my results. I'm feeling really good about it. Right, which is which? if, if, I, if you win 50K, I'll be close to winning 50K because our scores aren't that different. So I, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's true. You'll probably be in, the, be in the money as well. But if you don't win, like, first place, you probably only win, like, three bucks. Uh, I, might, right. I might, like, throw you. I might, I'll buy you a drink next time we're out or something with my 50,000. Right, tight, man. Appreciate um, Appreciate that. Other than that, there's not a whole lot we wanted to do. I only mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I think I'm actually going to do it. We're going to do some type of mailbag, try to answer some questions. So I'd love to do that, uh, hopefully for next week. So look out on Twitter. That's where we get most of our people engaging with us. We'll post something on Instagram, too. But I'd like to at least get a handful of questions that come in because – uh, as much as Jack and I love to prepare and prep these episodes, we want to hear from what our listeners actually want to hear about. The masses. Hear from the masses. You right, know? exactly. So uh, I know we can we can get a little bit boring with our topics here. Let's get some new blood in here. Let's get some good right. questions. And, and, and- 
and if you talk to me about the podcast, like at work or in Chicago, like just fucking tweet at us, man. Like, like let, like get that shit in. Like, don't, uh, don't be like, hey Jack, uh, that was kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting how you talked about this. Like, just get that, you know, we want to talk about that. So, like, tweet that at us. Like, we want to talk about it. Yeah, but don't um, talk shit to us because someone did that last week and Jack got really upset. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, I just kind of think the shit talking was dumb and unfounded. But whatever. Um, well, that's uh, that's we'll that's most up. of what we got. This, yeah, that's most of what we got from uh, from this week from Just Goes to Show. Appreciate you guys as always listening. Um, cheers. Tune in next next week. Just Goes to Show. Everybody's human. Have a good weekend.